when the sun rises I wake up and chase my dreams I won't regret when the sun sets Cause I live my life like I'm a beast This is the Sales Mall Podcast Your hosts, Jerry Hill and Ryan Reiser Talk about the sales game And always keep it real Okay, so Jerry is out again this week, but uh, for his excuse is pretty good. He's, he's welcoming his first uh, firstborn child, so just uh, got the note this morning, running off to the hospital. So, um, Jerry, congratulations when you hear this episode. Uh, we're rooting for you, and enjoy the moment. Uh, I have a very special guest with us, um, and, and, and Jerry's replacement, I guess. He was going to be uh, in the conversation with us anyway, but... Uh, Andy, you want to introduce yourself to the group? Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me on and congratulations to Jerry. That was a, a pretty cool email to get this morning. You know, often, you know, in our world, things come up all the time and, you know, quite, you know, 99% of the time they're, they're completely valid, but what better, what better reason to, to miss something like this than to be, you know, welcoming a new life, a, a new child into the world. So congratulations, Jerry. But um, yeah, so thank you. As I say, thanks for having me on. I'm Andy White. I'm a sales guy at heart. Um, I live in, uh, England. I live in a little village in the northeast part of, of England in Cambridgeshire. So, uh, you know, my friends wind me up say I live in Mordor, which is not too far from the truth. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've been doing this 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 thing we, we love and call sales for pretty much all my working life. My first, my first job out of, out of school, um, I'm actually a high school dropout, so I don't have any qualifications or anything, but my, my first job out was working for a theater company. And then I, I quickly realized I was not really talented nor good looking enough to, to make a career on stage. So I asked my brother, what should I do? And he said, well, you know, I think he said my friends like you, which I think meant like people without any qualifications, uh, seem to do all right in sales. So yeah, off, off I um, off I went to our English version of like the job centers website, and I typed in sales, and the first job that came up, I called the guy up. He said, "Can you can you meet me today?" And I, I went and interviewed, and it was um, for it was selling double glazing, um, which is it's 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 very cliche here. In England, it's like the, you know, it's it's probably the bottom rung of sales job you can get. And you're literally like banging on people's doors trying to sell to them. Um, and then that was the start of my career. And, and so I, you know, I did that for a while. I was pretty, you know, as, as double glazing sales go, I, was, I found some success there and and then figured out that I needed to probably do a more grown up sales job. And, and, and that's how I ended up in B2B sales. And no one would give me a shot. No one at all. No one. Everyone said, we like your passion. We like your, 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 your style and all that sort of stuff. But come back when you got some B2B experience, mm-hmm. um, which is like a classic uh, Catch-22. And I ended up getting a, a job, which this will make you smile, that the job title was telesales consultant, um, <laughs> which we now obviously know and love to call uh, sales development or business development. And I, I did that and I managed to kind of turn, you know, I found a, a, a boss that like believed in me and gave me a chance to like spread my wings a little bit. And, and um, yeah, from, from there, I, I managed to get into the field and it was selling SaaS as well. So uh, in fact, the company I work for, I always think it's funny, the company I work for independently invented SaaS for themselves mm. um, in as much as they were selling a, an SME, a solution to SMEs. And yes, the biggest objection they faced was uh, buying the hardware, the servers to sit in the 
office. And so they're like, well, why don't we just use remote terminals and we will host the servers in our offices and we'll dial in. And they, they created their own version of SaaS, if you like, their own version of the cloud, I should say. Um, but yeah, uh, Salesforce obviously, you know, came in and came and did a much better job of executing on that. Um, but uh, yeah, and then from from then on, I just you know, I, I had a ton of great great bosses and uh, inspirational people that have kind of pulled me along with them and and, and have managed to make a an okay career out of this this SaaS sales stuff. So yeah, I'm uh, currently. Currently, I, I lead a, 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 a team in, in what, what we call EMEA, of course, um, which is mostly just Europe for, for a company called Branch, and we are in the, the mobile marketing space. Fantastic. I, I didn't realize that you started your career in door-to-door -door and then moved to uh, the telesales. So no wonder we get along so well. You know, <laughs> you, you get the grind. You get the grind. Uh, element uh, baked into your DNA and then it's like a, a no aha moment, right? And so um, also some good big news, right? Uh, you just announced your book. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, so what is the book all about? What, what is, uh, who is it for? Who should read it? You know, what inspired uh, the writing of this, uh, this book? Yeah, everyone should read it. Everyone. I mean, it should be a, it should be on everyone's bookshelf ever. Um, no, I'm joking. It's um, <laughs> it's it's very specifically for people in um, in solution sales. I would say, um, and and that can vary from people. You know people who aren't necessarily salespeople. So if you're, you know, if you're a startup and you, you know, you're selling a solution right through to um, salespeople selling enterprise software and, and sales leaders as well. And it's, it's called medic. The book is called medic, but it's, it's about a, uh, a sales methodology called medic, um, which, which I didn't create, which was created by a guy called Dick Dunkel um, at a company called PTC. And, you know, we know Dick cause we, we used to work with him at, at sprinkler, yeah. but um, yeah. Dick is famous for creating Medic, uh, along with um, John McMahon, who we also will know from, from Sprinkler, who I think is, you know, pound for pound, the greatest sales leader of all time. If you look at his resume, his CV, his LinkedIn profile, it's almost like, you know, it, it's like IPO billion dollar bingo. <laughs> it's like, he's, he, you know, it's, 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 he's got the Midas touch when it comes to um, SaaS, uh, SaaS leadership and that kind of thing. So, and then Jack Napoli as well. And those guys at PTC, Dick, Dick basically had this, um, this uh, scenario where he was plucked out of the field and um, that classic kind of thing of like, you're doing a great job, Dick. We want you to come and teach all the other salespeople to sell just like you. And so out he comes. And um, and one of the things that he did at PTC was that he would do this exercise of why do we win, why do we lose, and why do deals slip? And what he noticed from doing this exercise with groups of PTC sellers was like six repeating elements, six repeating themes. And because he's a super creative guy, he was able to come up with a, a, a title for each of those things. And it, it managed to make it spell medic, which obviously, you know, sounds like uh, the medical term, um, yeah. which has a very nice play on words for like helping poorly deals kind of things. Um, and then him and Jack just went global, you know, over a thousand salespeople at PTC, they went global and, and implemented it. And what you'll see now is it's the DNA leading back to PTC is like, just like John McMahon, it's like the who's who of enterprise sales. They'll either, you can trace the CROs and deep global VPs of sales back to PTC, or you can trace them back somewhere along the lines to like somewhere like Blade Logic or like one of these other like, you know, red hot, um, super sharp sales execution companies. Um, 
And what MEDIC stands for is the M is for metrics, E is for economic buyer, the, the two Ds are the decision criteria and decision process. The There's sometimes a P in there, sometimes people call it MEDPIC, which is for paper process, the I for implicate the pain, uh, and then you've got two more Cs, champion and competition. And, and each of those forms its own place in why deals in enterprise sales are won and lost. And it's, it's not a surprise to me, but it is interesting, I think, that if you look back um, to, you know, what was it, 1996, I think, that came up with Medic. Those, the people, the reasons why we win and lose deals are still the same today. And that, that's what the book's about, basically. It's about picking it up and whether you are a, a Medic veteran or you're brand new to Medic, um, giving you some, like, insights and gems of how you can deploy it, both as an individual contributor, just on your own shoulders, or as to a, to a team or an organization. And, and that's, that's what the book's about. So, yeah. Well, congratulations on getting it out. I have it downloaded on my Kindle. I was, uh, I'm excited to dig in when I get around to, I've got a whole stack of, uh, yep. of books, but, uh, you know, D Dick onboarded me at Sprinkler after the Bushok acquisition. And I, I was immediately, uh, super fired up about the, the process. Uh, cause I, you know, personally, I never come from an organization that had such rigor in a process, right? I'm, I'm a startup guy through and through. I'm usually the first one to come on board and figure things out. And so that's kind of how I've, I've built my career. And Sprinkler was my first time being like, oh shit, there's like, there's like real corporate strategy and sales methodology behind what we're right. doing. There's a reason for everything. And it came from the top down with yeah. Raji coming in and like, you know, we have 10,000 customers, you know, 9,000 don't know yet. Right. And it's just, <laughs> you know, like it's just bred top down. And, and that was when I, I really, uh, lights went off in my head around what inspired me to leave and, you know, right. Outbound sales, no fluff, mm -hmm. and put a put a process on the top of the funnel with buckets and all that stuff. And so, uh, again, congratulations on getting the book out. And I think that translates really well into what we wanted to chat about today. Is you know some of the things that um, you know uh, what's old is new, and mm -hmm. uh, and the idea that uh, these like the, the idea of the phone being specific to just the top of the funnel, um, and you know why it's why is it that in this new modern environment where we have this amazing process that we follow right we've got someone across the table we've got medic in place we know what we need to measure um we've got stage definitions exit criteria we have all these things right but then we kind of forget about the fundamentals and um i'm just curious to see what you're seeing as you know again why are people winning why are people losing why are deals slipping and you know, outside of the methodology component of it, right? Because you can script and play this stuff out. Why do certain reps find success where others might struggle a bit in not gathering the appropriate information and really moving a deal along? Yeah, I mean, it's, I love what you said there, like what's old is new and, and you know, it, it's it's never been more true. And I think like, you know, if you think back, you know, the, the, we were talking about PTC, if you think back to those days, you know, you probably, you know, you only really had email was, you know, email was, was, was your only channel outside of the phone. And so people like leaned into email and this was before you were doing sort of mail merges and all that kind of stuff. Um, so like the phone was just like, you know, the phone was the place, you know, you wouldn't, you speak to anyone that was a PTC at that time, like you, you wouldn't get through a forecast call about a deal in forecast if you were to like, 
You know, like I, I see on the forecast calls today and, and it's almost like the some AEs are excited to say, oh, I had a call with my customer this week. I had a call with them. And yeah, we talked about the weather. And then, you know, they, they actually, I'll tell you what's really good is they told me a little bit about, you know, the process. And it's almost like it seems today like we're so reliant on these new mediums to talk because they're so easy and they're so like, you know, they're so uninterrupted in some regards that we just kind of forget using the phone. And I I mean, I don't know about you, Ryan, but like when I was when I was carrying a bag and selling, if I didn't get, if I didn't have um, my champion's phone number and I didn't feel like I could contact them if I needed them, um, then I didn't feel like I had a champion. Like they weren't a champion to me. They weren't qualified. Um, and so, you know, I think, I often feel like champion is probably the most widely used term in sales. Like it's the most, you know, how we, def you know, it's the term we use to describe our customer the most, more so than like decision maker, more so than, you know, any other term we use. But it's also the most incorrectly used term because, you know, people, we, we tend to call champions our point of contact and we like them because they talk to us. But actually quite often, you know, as, as in the case, if you read like a great book, like the, um, not just the challenger sale, but there's a follow-up book that I don't think gets anywhere near of us enough um, credit, which is the challenger customer. Mm -hmm. where it talks about the different types of customer and how you can have challenger customers as well. The ones that, the, the ones that talk to you and are happy to speak to you and like tell you all what's going on aren't necessarily the best champions to have. So yeah, if you're, um, if you're a, if you're a salesperson listening to this right now and you've got a D1 forecast and you feel like you can't pick up the phone and speak to your champion, I'd really question with you whether you actually have a champion and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, it's hard. Like people don't offer up their phone numbers. They don't put them in the email signatures anymore. People are protective of their phone numbers. But you know, when was the last time you asked your champion for their phone number and they said no? It's never happened to me. Yeah, no, no, finish that finish that statement. I don't want to interrupt there. Well, I was just gonna say, if you ask your so-called champion for their phone number and they tell you no, that's the second best thing that can happen. The best thing that can happen is they give you a phone number. But the second best thing that can happen is they can say no. And then you know you've got a problem, right? The the worst thing that can happen is not knowing you have the problem, which is what happens when you never ask. So yeah, you know you've got more work to do to build your champion. Well, you know, you bring up a good point around the difference between a, a champion and a point of contact. <laughs> and also, you know, you know, I, I like to, I like to use the word influencer, right. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of champion uh, myself, because, um, who's going to truly influence this deal and getting on that personal level. If I don't have, if I don't have access to somebody's phone number, uh, specifically their cell phone number today in a deal, and a later stage of the process, I don't have a deal. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very clear. And I mean, um, Sean McLaren, the C, uh, the chairman at, at connect and sell, I mean, he's adamant about that. He's like, where's the cell phone number. And anytime, <laughs> you know, where's the cell phone number of this person, I want to call him right now. And anytime you, you know, you're like, I don't have that person's cell phone number, even if it's a customer, right. Someone who's paid, it's like, that's not, well, that's a problem, right? That is a problem. And it happens often because we, we get super excited about, all right, we, we went through this process. We got, you know, we, we got the exchange of cash now that you're in the deal, even right. You have a, you actually have a customer that has to continue. And who was your influence or your champion that got you into the deal is potentially not the same person that's going to keep that customer around. And you have to continue mm -hmm. that method, that mindset and that methodology around. This is your most you know, important weapon in that relationship yeah. to, to ensure that you can capture the information necessary that may not be 
provided because in today's world, especially in the digital format, you know, we get into group meetings, we don't know the politics, you know, a lot of times these are being recorded. So you don't, you know, you know, people want to have the recording. Like is people, are people going to share the information they really want to share live in front of everybody or are there other things going on? And so as you get into a deal, especially enterprise sales, you know, you've got to really identify who those folks are and what are your thoughts around sticking to one, right? Cause we're talking about one, but who, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, I see that all the time too. You rely on one and then what happens? That person leaves and. Yeah. It's, um, for me, I, 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 I refer to it as being single threaded. And, um, for me, it's, it's, it's one of the major risks you can have on a deal. And it's, it's, you can have the best champion. Like you can, you could go on to like, you could genetically modify your champion to be 10 out of 10 in every attribute that a champion you'd want. Right. But you know, like, look at, look at Jerry this morning, right? Like he's, he's had a baby <laughs> and he's not here. Um, and that, this could, this could have been, you know, the, the big presentation meeting, this could have been the board meeting that's for the, the, the approval for the budget for this deal. And so having one is, is, a uh, is, the, you know, even in the best case, it's a terrible, terrible idea of just having one, one champion. So you, you absolutely have to absolutely have to, I will, you know, if you, if you're single threaded, that's not a forecastable deal. No way. Yep. So outside of just straight up asking somebody, you know, you're in the process, Hey, <laughs> what are your digits? <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, maybe it's the other way around, uh, you know, uh, just, uh, not feeling comfortable gathering information. It's not their signature. Are there certain ways that you've gone about like getting that relationship started where there's that trust to engage outside of the standard process and scheduled meetings those kind of proactive unscheduled hey you moments yeah there's um there's a guy that i'm sure that's like very familiar to your um to your audience called gary vaynerchuk um who who i you know i'm a massive fan of just mostly you know he's not necessarily a a sales thought leader but he's a you know he's a he's a brand thought leader i suppose you'd say a self-brand thought leader and he you know he's got the term like jab 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 right hook right um and the idea of that is like give value give value give value make an ask and i i really like that as a an analogy for like how we should think about building relationships with our champion it should be i'm here as a as a, a person that's going to give you value and i'm going to and it's not that i'm giving you value it's not like a give versus get i'm not giving you this value so i can ask for something but it's like I know that if I do give you value, it will give me the right to ask for something if I need it. So that's kind of my basis. And of course, like most, most like organizations today have like a great source of content thought leadership that you can kind of direct towards the person. But actually, you know what, like one of my, um, one of my jobs actually um, in between, so I did the double glazing thing and then I actually worked, uh, I managed a, tel- a mobile, a, a cell phone store um, for like a little while and it was like a chain. And th- th- that was a really useful experience for me because we had this, um, we had the sales process in the store, which is, I, I don't know if it's the same in the U S but like in these old cell, you don't really have many more cell phone stores, but you have the walls of all the different devices, right? Because I guess there's only a few devices now, but you have all the walls and people yeah. would go in and they'll pick up the dummy phones. And we used to have this uh, script that we said, and I think I can remember it today. And I'll pretend that you're looking at a phone and I'll say, hi, how are you? And yeah. you'd say, you know, I'm fine. I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say, are you looking to change your phone? And then before you can ask, I'd say, what phone have you got at the moment? 
Oh, it's uh, <laughs> Nokia, uh, you know, Nokia 725 or whatever <laughs> that was. Yeah. And I would say, nice. Can I see? And I'd hold my hand out, right? 90% of the time, if not more, the person I just walked up to in the store would give me their phone. Right. And it was like, if I, if I heard this now, I wouldn't believe it. Right. But it's like, like, and it was just in the script. It was just in the confident approaches that the, the, the way you approach them. And so you've got, I've got your phone in my hand now. Right. I mean, phones then aren't as sensitive as they are now. You didn't have any pictures, right. Or anything like that. So it wasn't, you know, it was just a call and texting device, but, and I would then turn to the wall and I'd say, Hey, Ryan, I see you're looking at the, you know, the Sony Ericsson one, two, three, four, five. And right now you've got a Nokia. Um, let's see if we can get you a deal. And I'd walk off of your phone and go and sit down at a desk and you'd come and sit down with me. And then I, of course there's like, like any funnel, there's people that would fall out at this point, but then I'd have a, what I'd call like a deal sheet. And I'd just start writing down, like, what are you looking for? And it was just like this classic funnel thing. And yeah. The reason why I mentioned that is it, it, it taught me that you can like, like the biggest challenge you have is just asking. So if we, if we fast forward now and you're my champion, maybe you're not even my champion. Maybe you're, this is our first meeting that we've had. And the way that I would like to close uh, a, a successful first meeting, let's be honest, it's got to be a successful. You, I've got to have felt like I've, I've got value to offer you. At the end, I'll say, Ryan, look, normally the way that do the best job for people like you where you're considering technology like mine um, is that you and I will work together. And rather than me just show you demos and stuff, I'd like to like build a business case with you. So if, if this was something you wanted to invest in, you've got like a document or something in a format that works for you that you can take to anyone that needs to, to approve it. Right. Yeah. Now, like that's how I like to work. I, I'm sure you, that would be valuable to you as well. Um, now, if that's how you want to, if that's how we want to do it, that'd be great. But probably through this process, there's going to be a lot of going backwards and forwards. Um, and there's going to be times that I'm going to need to grab you. And there's going to be times that you're going to probably want to need to grab me. I don't answer um, calls from unknown numbers. So what's your number? And like, yeah. I've never, ever had anyone go, no, nah, I'm not going to give you my number, Andy. Yeah. Back to my point earlier, if someone does say that, then I know I've got more work to do. Right. Love that. I love yeah. that. And, and you're so focused again going back to a process or you know it's scripted and but it doesn't sound scripted right you have a path that you're trying to take this person through we call it a funnel whatever right it's a journey and they're either on or off right you got to get on the bus or get off yeah. and this is this is one of those things that is vital for us to move we cannot progress from this stage forward because at that stage something's missing right in this case it's trust something's there something's wrong we don't yes. have that information. They don't, they don't trust me enough to provide an open channel of communication to move this forward. If you take that conversation and go, Oh my God, we had a great, we had a great conversation. He told me some things and you know, he said, he said, he's going to talk with his team and we'll circle back. Well, uh, when's the next meeting? I don't know yet. He said, get back to me in a week. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, do you have his number? Nope. Nope. Why are we, why are we talking about this right now? <laughs> Yeah. I have this, I have this saying that I'm, I, 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 you know, I, I think that like you, you, you may, you know, you're a much more successful writer than I am. So maybe you don't feel the same way, but like, I have this, like, you, you don't make much money from selling books unless you're like, you know, you're writing Harry Potter or like Lord of the Rings, I suppose, or something like, or if you're a celebrity, I suppose. But I was thinking I could probably make more money if I, if I came up with a really like good, like swag line for t-shirts to sell to salespeople. And the one I'm working on is, uh, nobody ever regrets qualifying out. 
it's it's a fact i've never met anyone that's gone no andy because there was this deal with abc and i qualified out and actually upon reflecting on it i i, I should have won i could have won that and I, I would have won it if i'd stayed because back to kind of the point i made a second ago which is like if you if you feel in your gut that you should qualify out of a deal you feel like you know what I, they, they don't see my value or they're not taking this seriously or whatever it is and um sometimes that's just an i think a, an, uh something that an amateur buyer makes you feel they feel like well oh, if i show this if i show ryan too much that i'm interested he'll like do some jedi mind trick and make me buy it for more than i want to pay or something like that so sometimes amateur buyers put off that um that, that facade if you like so if you then approach that person, whether it is a vassal or whether it is actually a genuine situation you should qualify out, one or two things is going to happen, right? They'll either say, yeah, you know, actually, you know, this is not right for us right now. It's not a priority. And great, you saved yourself a ton of time and heartache. Or B, they'll go, oh, no, no, we are interested. No, please don't go away. Like, sorry, like if I gave you that impression, then you, you've kind of cleared the decks a little bit then and helped you out. And so I think like, yeah, no one ever regrets qualifying out. Well, I think I think it's an interesting point there because sometimes that's just a personality thing too right like we don't clash we don't we don't mesh well enough to get to get something grooving right something's broken here uh and i might i might back out of this deal just because personally i don't feel like we can establish the appropriate you know channels of communication we're not something's not right here i'm gonna go ahead and move on to something else where i can find an individual who actually believes in the exchange of value, as you say here, or um, what I'm bringing to the table and, and how it might fit into your environment. And I think that, you know, I don't know how you see it because you, you're a big enterprise guy, right? You got, you work large, big deals and, you know, in outbound sales, no fluff, I talk about, um, you know, target companies sell the people. And so, you know, the companies you're ultimately going to be your customer, right? But within that company, the people are the folks that are going to drive you know, in the top of the funnel, anything forward, but throughout the process, it's the same thing as we're talking about the champions, multiple champions and establishing trust and building momentum. Um, sometimes I'm not the salesperson to break into that account. And that's a fact, right? I, I can, I can represent sprinkler. You can represent sprinkler. We're on the same company. I yeah. approach, I approach, let's call AT&T since we're talking about phones, right? I approach yeah. AT&T, you approach AT&T. I, I can't get anywhere. They freaking love you, right? It's not, yes. It's not because Sprinkler wasn't a fit for AT&T. It was because I personally was not a match for the buying committee for that particular product that we're trying to enter that large enterprise in. And I think a lot of salespeople, I don't know if you see this on your side, they get a big ego around, you know, being the guy, you know, it's all me when, you know, the reality is an enterprise sales, how important is a team? I mean, how important is the ability to, to, to actually run this process and not just on the one-to-one -one single threaded, but you know, how those personalities yeah. and things like that come into play. Oh boy. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I won't, I won't hire any salesperson that talks about, you know, when they talk about deals they've done, obviously, which is a big part of like reflecting you do in interviews. If, if, if the person talks about the deal they've done is I did this, I, I did that. Um, like it's it's a massive red flag it, because it, it points to two things it points to one like you know that they're probably like ego wise like 
like you say, it's it's very unlikely that it was I. It's it's generally a team, um, and and B, it's just that 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 idea that they the way they reflect on working with a team is really really important. So, it absolutely is. And I think like I love this idea of like going back to medic, where you have um, in medic the first D is for decision criteria, which stands. You know, the best way of like I always find of articulating it is if you have an RFP, there's the 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 the, the questions you get, the requirements in there are generally the technical criteria, but there'll be other criteria like you know what your partner landscape is like. Do you have integrations into their technology? What's your roadmap like? How how are your references? All that kind of stuff. But for the technical side of the decision criteria, I love the concept of that sitting with my sales engineer, my solution consultant, whichever the role is you want to call it, but the person that's like the technical brains in the deal. And you know, if you can if you can pair your sales engineer or solution consultant up with that and their corresponding technical um, person within the organization, then you've got like this, you've got this great um, uh, credible person who is going to be building their own champion uh, for you there. And likewise, you know, before you even get into it, you know, you've, you're going to have, if you do like multi-level selling properly, you should engage your manager, your like your like the VPs, the you know the C-level people, even sometimes the founders. If you're lucky enough to have you know an organization that has them, to pair up with their corresponding people in the organization, so you have all these different levels tying together. And you know some of the some of the like you said earlier, like sometimes um, you can be the best salesperson in the world with the best solution. But in case, unless you get the opportunities to demonstrate that to the right people within the organization, you're not going to win. Like, you know, the, the companies, uh, I'm sad to say it, we're professional sellers in sales, right? So all we do all day is sell. But the people we're selling to aren't professional buyers. It's like 5% of what they do in their day. The rest of the time, they're actually doing their, you know, if you're in MarTech, they're marketeers. They're, you know, they're, they're experts in marketing. They're, you know, they're, they're financial, they're, they're HR, all these different things they don't spend much time buying and the ones that do spend time buying the ones you don't want to talk to they're like the procurement people and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's um you've got to get that that multi-level selling it's like a bus um of people that 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 win the big enterprise deals for sure yeah well uh i think we could talk for a long time andy uh this is a fantastic conversation uh just to kind of i like to say land the plane on this so we can uh allow our listeners to get back to whatever they're, they're enjoying right now. Um, uh, if folks wanted to get in touch with you, um, how do they find you? How do they find the book? Yeah. Thank you. Um, so LinkedIn is, is I think where we're all at. So I'm, I'm Andy White and it's W H Y T E just to be awkward. Sorry about that. Um, and, um, you can get me on Twitter and, and Instagram as well. And it's MedPick again, just to be awkward. Someone had, someone had pinched medic without the P in there, but, um, it's, you know, you're pretty easy to find me. I'm sure. Fantastic. Well, Andy, again, thank you so much for, uh, joining the, uh, the show and, uh, uh, appreciate again all your uh, insights today. Have a no, great day. Having you on, man. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers.